0: Jesus said if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me, I will heal the broken hearted, I will set the captive free. Then he gave the message to his church. of all the praise of men and all the adoration belongs to only him. And for his pleasure I'm created and with the breath he's given me I'll exalt the name of Jesus Three.
1: Right, hey, good to see you here this evening. I'm honored to be here myself and uh, thankful that I'm here. Great to have you with us this evening. And uh, it's good to have Brother Harris back. Uh, he can't, notice how, you know how some people, they get just as far back as they can? <laughs> it's hard, you can't, you don't want to be in the spout where the blessings come out, do you, brother? <laughs> yeah, since you grew that beard out, I noticed that's what's happened in your life. <laughs> anyway, well, God help him, he'll be all right, I guess. But anyway, uh, it is good to see Good to have you here, Pastor, and your people are honored that you came, and uh, I'm glad you're here tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn anywhere. It's all the Word of God. Amen? doesn't matter where you turn. It's God's Word. Well, I'll be more specific. Uh, Turn to Luke chapter number 17. Luke 17. Again, great day today, and the sun was beautiful today. I almost thought I was back in Kentucky there for a minute, and Indiana. Uh, it does get warm down there occasionally, and I understand y'all have warm weather in the middle of July. And, uh, <laughs> well, one thing, I lived in Roanoke, Indiana, right outside of Fort Wayne for 16 years, and one thing I learned, you didn't have spring. It went from winter to summer. We'd have two or three days of spring, and I'd say, man, I love spring. I was raised in the south where you actually had spring. You know, spring has sprung. And you had spring, and you had the fall. And I moved to Indiana, and you had summer Winter, summer, winter. There was, that was about it, and we'd have two or three days of fall and seem like and two or three days of spring. But it's good to be uh, to have any kind of weather. I'm just glad to be alive today. Amen. How many'd rather be here than hell? You'd rather be here than in hell itself, right? Good. Hey, boy. Hey, a couple of people didn't raise their hand. I didn't know I was that bad. Man, you're having to suffer tonight. Anyway, but it is good to be here, and I'm glad you're here. Well, if you would, please stand with me for just a moment, Uh, out of respect and honor for God's word. Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse number 11, a very familiar passage, verse number 11. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now, we're talking about Jesus going there. And as he, Jesus, entered into certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, uh, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And let's pray. Father, I pray you would take the thoughts tonight and you would use them. As has already been prayed, without you we can do nothing. We're worthless, we're useless. And we're wasting our time being here tonight. Would you please, I pray, meet with us. Please meet with us. And I pray you'd use the thoughts tonight that you've given me to encourage and to work in our hearts. Father, help us to yield and do what we ought to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. The Bible says in Leviticus thirteen forty-four through 46, he is a leprous man, he is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean. His plague is in his head. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, and his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon up, up his upper lip, and shall cry, unclean! Unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone, without the camp shall be his his habitation. Be Numbers five two says, command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp every leper and everyone that has an issue and who whosoever is defiled by the dead. Now in the Bible we all know that leprosy was just an unbelievable thing to get. Uh, There was no cure. If you got it, you had it. And in Bible days, if they got leprosy, they were put outside the camp. And many of them had a leper camp. And they had to go there and they could not live with them. You you think about it. When a man had leprosy, and by the way, leprosy is mentioned probably 40 times in the Bible. When when a man had leprosy, he literally, this skin disease, infection on his skin that was no cure for it. This man had to leave his family. He had to leave his friends. He had to leave his wife, had to leave his job, he had to leave everything because he could not be near other people otherwise they would get what he had. And so, you know, we look at it and say, well, it's got this. And we compare it a lot of times to the dirty word we think about that starts with a C called cancer. And, and so we think of it that way, but, you know, a cancer patient doesn't have to be a totally away from their family. You're not going to catch cancer from somebody. Like that. But you could catch this disease from somebody, so that person had to be totally taken away from everybody. And you think about it. Sometimes we read over that and we just read over it and we don't stop and think what did a leper have to go through? That leper had to go through knowing that he had it was incurable. He was going to die, and he was going to die a painful death because of what the leprosy was going to do to his body. He may start losing limbs and parts of his body, his fingers and other things, and he was going to be a mess, and there was no cure. Not all that. He could never go to his wife, who he loved, and maybe for years, and never give his wife a kiss. I enjoy that part of being married. Amen. If more men didn't say amen than that, you need to get right with God tonight. I'll get the invitation right now. Heads by, eyes closed, no one looking around. Man, I love that part. I, I love that old Spanish game for the Spanish folks back here called El Mucho Smucho. And I'm not sure that's what it is, but I was told that. And whatever it is, I like it. But uh, and, and it never gets old. Never gets old. oh it. No, that's a different song, in it? But anyway, he, think about this. A, a man could never kiss his wife. He can never hug her. He can never take those children if he had small children brother, and give them a hug. We're into the grandparenting. We have eight grandchildren. I don't know why we didn't have the grandchildren first. It was a mistake. Of course, I guess I had no one to send them home to either, would I? But I love those grandchildren. A guy got leprosy. He never got to hug his grandchildren give them a kiss and hold them next to him and hold their hand. I was walking across the parking lot holding my granddaughter's hand here that day, one of my, the one she's almost four, holding her hand. She said, Papa, come and go certain, certain with me? And I was sitting there and I was thinking, Brother Dave, I was thinking, you know what? She'll be grown for long and she won't want to hold Grandpa's hand. Papaw's hand, they call me. And I held her hand and walked across, and I was just gleeing. And somebody said, what you got with me? And I said, I got my granddaughter with me. That's what I got. Amen. If I'd had leprosy, I could have never done that. I couldn't hold her hand. I couldn't hug her. I couldn't kiss my wife and hug her. We meet each other and Brad and I and we met here that day and Josh, we held we grabbed hands, shook hands, and embraced. I couldn't have done that if I had left her, city. you fellas. Facts, I could have only come in so many feet near you. If the wind was blowing, I probably couldn't come. Many say within 150 feet of you. If the wind was blowing and it was blowing behind me towards you, I couldn't even come within 150 feet of you, is what they say. But many of them say six to ten feet, I had to stay away from you. And when somebody came near me, I had to say, unclean! 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 It's bad enough to have it. Bad enough to have to stay away from everybody. Now I've got to say, unclean! And everybody's looking at you going, oh, no, he's a leper. Children, stay away. Come here, hold my hand. Don't go near that man. You don't want to know what he's got. He's got leprosy. Stay away from him. Can you imagine how embarrassing, how hurtful, emotionally it would be if you had leprosy, how physically debilitating it would be if you had leprosy and there was no cure? Unless Jesus cured them, they were done. It was the death sentence. And here's these ten lepers. I'm sure they'd heard the stories. There's a man named Jesus. I don't know if y'all know it or not, but he can cure people. The Bible says that he came and he'd been with the disciples and he came from Jerusalem and he's passed through the midst of Samaria into the Galilee and he's entered into a certain city. There were ten men there that were all lepers. Obviously, either the rumble went out, "Hey, that's Jesus. Did you Don't go to Jesus!" I don't know what happened. But they recognized who he was. Maybe they'd seen him in the past, I don't know. But notice this: they stood afar off. and these men stood way off from him and back away from him. Again, they had a reason why they stood afar off, because they could not get close to him because they knew it was against the law. And certainly, if you had leprosy like this, you didn't want to give it to anybody. You didn't want anybody else to go through the emotional, the physical, the mental strain that you went through, and the pain and agony you were going through. You didn't want anybody else to go through what you are going through. I wouldn't wish this on anybody. So they stayed away. And the Bible says when they saw Jesus, they lifted up their voice.
0: Jesus!
1: Can you imagine? I don't think they said... excuse me, sir, Uh, Jesus, sir, doesn't say that. It says, and they lifted their voice and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Please, have mercy on us. And the Bible says, and when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. They knew what that meant. When a man had leprosy, if he thought he had it, he went to the priest. The priest looked at it, declared whether or not he had it, maybe had him to be locked up or do whatever for so many days, stay away from people, and then come back and check again, and then go back and forth until they declared, you have leprosy, you're not allowed, you've got to go outside the camp, you can't be around people no more. So they knew what it meant. He said, go show yourself to the priest. Well, there's no sense in going to show yourself to the priest unless I'm healed. I've already been determined i I'm, I'm, I got the death sentence on me. Notice what happened. As it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Brother, I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't know what you would have done, but if that had been me, I'd have been shouting, Well, glory. What a great God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Whoa. Thank you, Jesus. Hey. I might have even done a Randy... Uh, Randy uh, uh, Digging in cartwheel, I don't know. If I tried that tonight, I'd get a Ricky Moon splash deal or plot deal. But I'm telling you what, I'd have been excited. I mean, i had been excited, so excited I couldn't hardly stand myself. In fact, you'd have been excited, I'd have been excited about your excitement because you were excited about me being excited. I'd just been excited. To imagine, i have been healed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, Turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. and Fell on his face at Jesus' feet. giving him thanks. And he happened to be a Samaritan. It's amazing God doesn't write the Bible and put words in because he couldn't think of what to say. So there's significance in why he said everything he said. There's purpose. Jesus answer, answered and said, well, We're not their tent. Where are the other nine? They're not found. They return to give glory to God, save this stranger. Then he said to the stranger, to the Samaritan, he said, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. What a deal. Man, this guy was cleansed. What a deal. Can you imagine? Guess what? I get to hug my wife and kiss her again. Guess what? I get to hold my children and hold them tight to me and kiss them and tell them how much I love them and show them how much I love them. Guess what? I get to take those grandchildren and hold them in my arms and tell them I love them and give them a big kiss. Guess what? I get to take, embrace my friends and shake their hand and give them a big hug. Guess what? I don't have to go around going, unclean, unclean. I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to be off away from everybody, way away from everybody in the camp where, they, where uh, no one's at but a bunch of lepers, other lepers. And I don't have the sentence on me anymore. Whoa, glory. Imagine that. Boy, things have changed. What a wonderful change in my life has been, Rob. Since I got healed from leprosy. Boy, what a deal. He was cleansed. Don't you notice something about this, though? I want you to notice what happened, what the effects were of his cleansing. Number one, look at his actions. Verse 15. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back. Number one, it changed his direction. Man, when he got healed, it did something for him, it changed his direction. He was going one way and he said, whoa, wait a minute. I can go to that priest later. I'm going to go back and talk to the guy that did it. Amen. I'm going to go back and see the man that made a difference. I'm going back to that man. And he turned and went back. He changed his direction. By the way, when we get cleaned up and get saved, it ought to change our direction. One of the problems with Christianity is we got a Christianity that says you can get saved and go out and live any way you want to, and it's okay. I'm going to say this. You can get saved and live any way you want to, but you're not going to do it long until God knocks on your heart's door and says, make a change. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, God began to do something in my life. First of all, the first thing I want to do is go get me a Bible. And the next day, next day, I went to a Christian bookstore. They're not very Christian anymore. They're just bookstores. But a Christian bookstore, and I went and got me a King James Bible. By the way, I didn't know anything about King James or other James. All I knew was get a holy Bible. And back in those days, they were all King James Bibles. And most of them were, they were holy Bibles. And I went and got me a Bible. Yeah, I was changing. And I went, the next thing I did is I began to pray every night. Next thing I did, I began to read my Bible every day. Next thing I did, I said, we got to go to church every time the door's open. Next thing it is, did, I said, I got to get baptized. Next thing I did, I said, you know what? We got to tell other people what happened to us because it's good. And they need what I got. What was happening in my life, I was changing. I said to the pastor, the my uncle, my wife's uncle, hey, can I go out? You, you go out and tell people, I, can I go with you? He said, yes. I look good too. Not as good as I do now, but you know, you can't hardly beat perfection. But boy, did I have some nice hair. Way down here. He carried me out sewing, so and it looked good. He said, Ricky, we've been sewing together several weeks, and he said, Ricky, you ever thought about getting your hair cut? And I said, Well, I thought I'd just gotten a haircut recently. <laughs> I got the ends trimmed up a little. <laughs> he said, no, I think you ought to get a haircut. Dave, you know I didn't ask him what verse in the Bible said get a haircut. I just said, oh, okay. So I started the process. And for some reason it never stopped. And it, but, it, but it got a certain part up here, and it got where it was up over my ears, off my neck. And then it started up here and started going down this way. That's why I take these two hair, and I, I go back and forth and hold them in place, and then... Lock them in place and stuff. That's so why I look, my hair doesn't move. My head, my ears move more than my hair does, right? What happened? I changed directions. You know why? Because I'd gotten healed from, from the wicked sin. By the way, leprosy in the Bible is always compared to sin. The damage it does, the destruction it does in the Bible is compared to sin. He changes actions. His direction was changed. His speech was changed. Listen to this. He turned. When he was healed, he turned and with a loud voice, glorify God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Why the Savior? Woo! When he got changed, got cleaned up, he changed his speech. When you get cleaned up, it ought to change how you talk. It ought to change what you talk about. It ought to change who you talk to, what you talk about. I don't mean with Sister So-and-So about what the preacher and the associate pastor and the chairman of the deacons and everybody else did that you disagree with. That's not the speech I'm talking about. You change from that speech to praising God and glorifying Him for His goodness. It changed his direction. It changed his speech and all that. Look at verse 16. And he and fell down on his face at his feet. It changed his posture. You know what happened? He fell on his face. And you know what? That's a sign of humility, humbling yourself. He went and humbled himself up before Jesus and threw himself face down before God, before Jesus. Oh, God is Jesus, is God. And when you get cleaned up, it ought to bring the pride down and put the humility in its place that's one of our problems. We're so lifted up pride, we won't throw ourselves before God. All right. I, I, last night, I made a statement, and I said, uh-oh, I want the love offering. I, I won't get, that's all right, I'm getting paid anyway. Well, boy, pastor took it seriously. There was no offering tonight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I, I said, you open your dumb mouth. See, I should have changed my speech. I should have changed my speech. <laughs> oh, boy. But can I say something, and you not get mad at me? That's why we don't walk down in church. Come on. Amen. You know, what would she think I'm going for? What would he think I'm going for? It might be to get right with God. I say this often, so I have to keep doing it, whether I want to or not. But there's a very seldom ever a service preached that I'm at that I'm listening to someone else preach it, I don't walk out, Because somewhere <laughs> along the line... Brad, the Holy Spirit taps on my heart's door and says, Ricky, it's for you, buddy. I don't, he doesn't say, Ricky, it's for so-and-so over there. Look at them. They need that. He taps on my heart and says, it's for you, Ricky. He teaches on how women ought to do certain things, and I walk the aisle. I'm not a woman. say, what did it have to do with you? The principle they taught applied to me just like it did to the woman. And God said, you need it too, Ricky changed his posture he humbled himself and threw himself before god none of his actions it affected his actions it affected his attitude i don't think he was sitting over there before jesus come i don't think the ten lepers sitting there going glory to god in the highest and on peace goodwill toward men What a great God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Come on, fellas, sing with me. Bow down before him, love and adore him. What a mighty God. Raise the roof on it, brothers. There was no roof, okay? Honestly, I don't think they were sitting around glorifying God. I think they were sitting around wondering what in the world they were going to do before they died. Now watch this with a loud voice, glorified God. With a loud voice, he glorified God. All that, look at verse 16. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And you know what else he did? He had a gratitude to God. The old attitude of gratitude. He just said, I just want to come back and say thank you. So it affected his actions. Affect his attitude. Affect his afterlife. From now on, he was clean, brother. <laughs> clean, clean, clean. That's what I am. Hallelujah. No more leprosy. Woo! Changed his afterlife. But it also changed his ever eternal afterlife. Look at verse number 19. And he said unto him, Jesus did, Arise, go the way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. But he, he didn't just get cleansed physically he got cleansed spiritually he got a double dose I like that now real quickly tonight well that's a lie all right somewhat quickly tonight okay a long time tonight (laughs) let's look at some lessons we can learn from these lepers from the leper in particular this one number one we have to see our need for cleansing you know why? And by the way, again, leprosy is compared to what? Yeah. Leprosy is compared to what? Yeah. Leprosy is compared to what? Yeah. We have to see our need before we can be cleansed. You know why people don't ever get cleansed? They don't see their need. They don't see their need. We have a hard time seeing our need, and therefore we live in our sin. We make excuses for our sin. That's why 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 through 10 says, If we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves. And the truth's not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful to us to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. righteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word's not in us. You know what we have a tendency to do? Make excuses. Well, you know, I mean, I didn't think I sinned. That's not wrong. Uh, Pastor, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but we need to pray for so-and-so. And then we spout off. And by the way, it's usually not the pastor we talk to, it's usually our friend. Uh, sister, can I tell you something? Do you know so-and-so did so-and-so? Yeah, pretty wicked, huh? Yeah, I was excited. To, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I mean, let's pray about it. I just brought it to your attention because we need to be in prayer for them. You haven't prayed one lick for them about that. All you did was wanted to share the juicy gossip. You know what we do? We make excuses for our sins also. We have a hard time seeing the need, and we make excuses. And then, here's the, here's the best one. I'll tell you what, that's not as bad as what I know so-and-so did. You know what they did? You can say what I did was wrong, but what about so-and-so? And he's a, he's a deacon. And what about so-and-so? She's a school teacher. And what about so-and-so? They're on staff at the church. And I saw them do that, blah blah, 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 blah. What are you doing? Amen. You're comparing yourselves among yourselves. Now, let me read you scripture. For we dare not make ourselves of the number to compare ourselves with the same that commend themselves. But they measure themselves by themselves and comparing them among themselves are not wise. What happens? Number one, we need to see our need for cleansing. And here's why we never have revival. We don't see our need for cleansing. We have sin just like that leper did. The difference is the lepers saw their need. They looked at themselves and said, I'm in trouble. I'm going to die. This is going to destroy my body. One day this body's going to be gone. And I'm going to be gone. And I've got to do something. And what am I going to do? They saw their need. And we look at our sin and say, well, it's not as bad as so and so's. Well, I don't really think that's sin. Well, I just don't see it that way. What are we doing? We never see our sin and we make excuses for it and we compare ourselves among ourselves and therefore we never see our need for cleansing therefore we never get clean. Lesson number two. Number one, I said we have to see our need for cleansing. Number two, we have to obey to be cleansed. Now go back to the scripture. And when he saw them... Ten lepers. Jesus said to them, Go show yourself unto the priest. And they come to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Had they have stood there and looked at him and said, I don't want to go to the priest. I want to be clean. They'd have never been cleansed. As they went, as they obeyed what God said to do, he cleansed them. Our problem is we have a problem with obedience. And one of the major things that keeps us going bay, and I mentioned a while ago, and it's called P-R-I-D-E, pride. We say, look, we can see the need, but we're not willing to take the steps, proper steps for cleansing. Then we'll still stay dirty if we do that. I can see the need, but do nothing about it. Those men knew they were lepers. They knew they were they were doomed. They knew that there was no cure. They knew that there was nothing they could do to help themselves. They were going to be like this, uh, separated from their families, separated from their friends, separated from everybody for the rest of their life until they died a miserable, horrible, painful death. And there was nothing they could do. But if they did not obey what Jesus said, they would have stayed that way. But instead, they chose to obey. And as they went immediately... They were cleansed. Well, I just don't see it the way you do. And truthfully, I don't think you have to do all those things. Really? You know, a lot of people live with with bitterness in their heart. I've preached that here before. With bitterness in their heart. And they will not get it right. And here's why. Because somebody hurt them. Or they think somebody hurt them. And they will repeatedly say, Well, look, I don't owe that person forgiveness. Because he did me wrong. Okay? Then God doesn't owe you forgiveness because you did him wrong. Yet you want his mercy and you want his grace and you want his forgiveness. But you'll show no mercy, no grace, and no forgiveness. And you wonder why you never have revival. You wonder why you never have the joy of Jesus in your heart. You wonder why you're never able to do anything for God that amounts to a hill of beans. It's because you've chosen to keep that bitterness. You've chosen to keep that hurt. You've chosen to let that be the major theme in your life. And you're doing absolutely nothing to get rid of it. And if you don't take the proper steps, you will never be right with God. Because you cannot be wrong with someone else and right with God. And if you're not willing to forgive, neither will your Heavenly Father forgive you of sins. Sin. That's biblical. In the book of Matthew, chapter 6, and other places. Lesson number one, we have to see our need for cleansing. Lesson number two, we have to obey to be cleansed. Lesson number three, we should have a heart filled with gratitude and praise when we are cleansed. You know what one of the biggest sins we commit? The sin of ingratitude. Be ye thankful, the Bible says. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And we're the most ungrateful, ingratitude people in the whole wide world. I'm not sure it's proper grammar, but you got the point. We're ungrateful. Well, I deserve it. Now, come on. You know better. Don't be saying that. Do you really want what you deserve? I want what I deserve. I demand it. Okay, honey, look out because you're fixing to split hell wide open because that's what we deserve. H-E-L-L, hell. I don't want what I deserve. I want what he deserves, (laughs) and that's what I'm getting. Ten were cleansed, but only one come back to say thank you. Ten were cleansed. That means 90% of them didn't even have the gratitude after they'd been cured from this horrible, terrible disease to come back and just simply say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The other 90 did not even, 90% didn't even care enough to come back. And I have a feeling the percentages are probably that way today. When is the last time you stopped and thanked God for saving your soul? Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. Didn't do a thing, darn it. When's the last time you just had a good old? Fashion thank you sir, sir, uh, service with you and Jesus. We don't do it. Somebody gives us something, we go, oh, okay, man, thank you. Thanksgiving and praise should be a part of our everyday life. A few Sundays ago, sitting in my Sunday school class, I don't know if many of you know Dr. Tom Williams, but. Dr. Tom Williams is in my Sunday school class, and he's sitting there and we have sometimes questions and stuff. And Dr. Williams raised his hand. He said, Brother Moon, we're talking about gratitude and stuff and being thankful. And Brother Williams said, You know, Brother Moon, someone said to me, If you could only have, if you only had today what you thank God for yesterday, how much would you have? And he said that, and I thought about it in a moment. I finished teaching my lesson because it smoked my heart. How much would you have today if you only had what you were grateful for and thankful for yesterday? What you had yesterday. When's the last time you said, God, thank you that I have eyes that I can see. Thank you, Lord, that I can walk. Thank you, Lord, that I can speak. You see the people doing this, and I'm like, thank you, Lord, I don't have to figure that out. When's the last time you thought, "Thank the Lord that you have a mind with which you can think"? I got a family member going, starting to get dementia and going to the Alzheimer's type stuff. I have part timers, but that's another story. <laughs> I know that Alzheimer's not spelled Alzheimer's. I'm saying it wrong, but anyway, you get the point. Here's what I'm gonna say: I can think. I can look at something, see. Uh, Sheila and I, when we went on that, one of the most beautiful things we saw when my wife and I went on the cruise to Alaska was a picture of me no I'm kidding <laughs> uh, it's called pride oh uh, no one of the most beautiful the first morning that we're out on Wednesday morning we're out on the ocean and Sheila and I look out the wind we had our cabin our room was right there where we had a we had a balcony and you walk out and there was you know, on the seventh floor and you look out and there's the ocean right down below you and I looked out and we, we opened the window and there was a reflection on this side because we, we were going north. So in the west, there was a reflection of the sun. It was absolutely gorgeous. We quickly got dressed, went out of our cabin, went up to the 10th floor and walked out on the 10th, uh, not floor, decks, what they call it, 10th deck and walked to the other side and used the, I mean, it was one of the most beautiful sunrises you ever see in your life. It was absolutely gorgeous. We took pictures of it and so forth. And we were just astounded how beautiful it was. Brother Josh, I'm reminded that the only reason I saw that is because I have two eyes that God gave me, and I can see. And I'm also only reminded of that because, Pastor, somebody loved me enough to send me on that cruise and pay the money for me to go. And I said, thank you, Lord, that the people sacrificed for me in Sheila. Thank you, Lord. You gave me eyes to see this beautiful picture. And I see people that's got an arm missing. And I say, God, you give me two arms, hands that I can use, two feet to walk, ears to hear. And when the choir sang tonight, as they did so beautifully, I listened. And the music has just been great, Brother Josh. Thank you. Because I've been to churches where and done funerals and stuff where it was like, Lord, help me get through this. And to hear the beautiful music and the specials and the, the duets and the solos. As people praise Jesus. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. And there's a couple of people. It's my favorite singers. And I like to put a CD. It won't work in my, my CD player. It doesn't work in my car. But my wife does. And I'll put it in and i listen to it. And I'll just listen to it and sing with them. I kind of mess them up when I sing with them, as you can tell. But, but I have fun anyway. But to hear the music. hear them playing the orchestra oh thank god for the orchestra and hear all the music as it blends together i get to hear that because i have two ears at work dr williams said what if you only had today what you praise god for yesterday how much would you have how much would you have sir (laughs) ma'am how much would you have young person how much would you have today And we think we're grateful. We really do. But we're not. There's a gay in our church, a gentleman named Bobby. We've become real good friends. He's in my Sunday school class. Bobby got, di- became a diabetic. Bad. He has to, have the, uh, he has to go in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and have, uh, what do you call that? They do the blood and clean it and put it back. Dialysis, Dialysis thank you. And uh, he has to have dialysis. A couple of times he's coated in dialysis. And Bobby uh, got a sore on his. Now, I've I've shared it before, but I haven't shared this latest because this happened just recently. But uh, Bobby got a sore on one of his feet. And and they tried to heal it, tried to get it. It wouldn't heal, it wouldn't heal, it wouldn't heal. He was out walking, uh, going out to eat. And he took a step. And his right foot, I think it was, his, uh, or left left foot, I guess it was, his left Achilles tendon just popped. And he couldn't do anything. It almost fell, and they grabbed him. And he went to the doctor, and he said, there's nothing I can do. He'd already put a, they'd already taken, and uh, because of the blood flow, they'd put in a pr- prosthetic vein in his leg. And they said, there's nothing else we can do. We cannot salvage your foot. We can't salvage your foot. And, sir, we can take it off below the knee but we'll come back and take it off above the knee so we might as well take it off above the knee and he was devastated as i was and i was there another problem is when he has surgery there's one of the one of the main anesthesia they use makes him code so he can't take it and they have to improvise he's coded two or three times on it anytime he goes to have surgery he's had major issues with his heart they had to take and I don't understand this, and I'm not a, I'm not a medical in any way. I'm, do I have any medical intelligence, okay? But they took, like there's a skin or something, there's a, something around that, like a, like a bag or something around the heart thing, and they had to peel that off. And they did that. And so it's just been one problem after another. And then he started losing eyesight in one of his eyes, and you look at it, and it's, you can tell he can't see out of it. Glass. It's glassy. It's, it's kind of glossed over a little bit, so he can't see out of that eye. He lost his leg, and he was devastated. They made him a prosthetic leg, and he tried to use it and, and do it. He, he'd go in the hospital with an infection and get out and on Saturday. And you know where he was Sunday, Pastor? He's in my Sunday school class in the morning service. Don't give me your excuses. He said to me one day, there's another man in our class, he said, you know, that lost his leg at that time. He's in heaven now. But This gentleman, he said, I figured if he could come and without a leg, I could come. And said he's been such an encouragement to me. I said, Bobby, you don't know why I've been giving encouragement you've been to me. And then Bobby kept having infections in his body. And then he got an infection on his, one of his toes, on his right foot. And I was in the hospital that night with him, he and his wife and his daughter. And uh, they came in, and the doctor said, "Sir, we're gonna have to take that toe off." And he said, "Really?" And I'm sorry, I wasn't with him then. I was with him next time, and they they took the toe off, and then the next toe started turning black, and they said, "We're gonna have to." I was with him in that time, and he said, "We're gonna have to take the whole foot off." And Bobby said, "No." No man, not the foot. His wife's crying. His daughter's crying. I'm trying to be a help to him, and I don't even know how. You know what I'm talking about, Pastor? Pastor, you know what I'm talking about. I didn't even know how to be a help. I'm saying, let's pray, and I didn't know what to pray. Right, God, help him. And they said we don't need to take it off at the foot. We can, but we'll come back take it off above the knee. So you might as well take it off above the knee now. He said, no. I'm going to lose. I only have one leg and I'm going to lose this one too. The doctor said, I'm sorry. And we wept together and we cried and prayed and they took his leg off. And then he like to never got over it and, and it started draining stuff and and got infection in it thought they they had to go back in and do surgery again and they had to put a drain tube in it and it's just one thing after another there was no end no end for old Bobby I went home and I said Lord I'm so glad I got two legs I wish Bobby had two A few months ago, he called me and said, Brother Moon, my fingertips are turning black. Please pray for me. They say that I'm not getting blood to end of my fingers. And I said, okay, Bobby, I'll pray for you. And I did, and I tried to encourage him. I don't know I was much help. The doctor came and said, we're going to take, we're gonna have to take your middle finger off on his hand and they did and they took it off and then these two fingers right here started turning black on the ends wouldn't get blood there, dying he got real discouraged and they looked horrible he was real discouraged and he called me and I went to see him and I I sat down in his living room and he said, Bobby, I just want you to know I love you. I love you. I can't do much for you, but I love you. He said, Brother Moon, when I lost my first leg, I said, I can make it. I'll do it. This other man, man made it. I can do it. He said, when I lost my second leg, I thought, oh, no, not both my legs. But I said, okay, I can make it. Now I've lost my finger, and I'm losing my other fingers. He said, it won't be long till I won't be able to even take care of myself. He said, there's no need for me to live. He said, I'm going to heaven one part at a time. And I said, Bobby, you can't think that way. He said, Brother Moon, what use am I to anybody anymore? I'm just a burden on my family. They have to wheel me around in a wheelchair. I can't, and if I keep losing my fingers, I won't even be able to feed myself. Or I won't even be able to go to the bathroom by myself. I'm going to be totally dependent on somebody else. I don't want to live if that's the way it is, Brother Moon. I said, Bobby, you can't think that way. He said, what am I supposed to think? And I said, Bobby, number one, you got a wife that loves you with all her heart and she'd never leave you. And you got a daughter and a son and a daughter-in-law and a granddaughter that love you with all their heart. And Bobby, I love you. And Bobby, you don't know how many people have been encouraged by you walking, by you being wheeled in that door at church on Sundays. There are people that's not said a word but they've said it to me and they won't. They, they're so encouraged by you being there And seeing you, someone who's hurting, someone who's in pain, someone who has all the problems they can have, and you're there every service. You can't quit. Don't quit on God. Don't quit on me. Don't quit on your wife. Don't quit on your daughter. Don't quit on your son and your daughter in law and your your little baby, little granddaughter. I don't know, Bobby, why this has happened to you. I wished I had a cure all. I wished I had an answer, but I don't. I can't empathize with you because I've never lost any of them. But I know this if God was done with you, you'd already gone to heaven. Please don't give up. We prayed together and cried. I went home, I went back to work, and I thought, God, I don't even know how to help him. What would you help him? Encourage him, somehow encourage him. And God, I just want to say, thank you. There they are, all of them. They don't work as good as they used to, but they're all there. It's there. Most of us haven't spent one second thanking God for our ability to walk. And he'll never walk again. He has no ability to. But boy, his faithfulness is such a testimony. (laughs) He went in the hospital that day to have a... He's got a bleeding in his stomach. They can't find it where it is they did a surgery on Monday and kept him all week. And I was out of town. I came back from a funeral. And I came back in town and went and saw him. And he didn't. He got out. He got out on on a Friday night or Saturday morning. He called me and said, "Brother, late Friday night." He said, "I'm on my way home from the hospital." And on Sunday morning, you know where Bobby was? Left hand side of the chapel. Y'all know what I'm talking about. On the left hand side, about five or six rows back, with his wheelchair on the end and his wife sitting next to him and you say I got a headache today I can't go to church I'm sorry you've got a headache you know we've lost the gratitude I can't even fathom nine men who had their whole life revolutionized and didn't have Didn't take the time to turn back and say, Jesus, thank you. You had your whole life revolutionized when you got saved. You went from hell bound forever and ever and ever in the lake of fire to heaven bound in glory for all eternity. And you haven't thanked him one time in the last week. God help us. We are wicked. By the way, that's just as wicked as immorality is. Well, I don't agree with that. Well, don't agree then. But if you break God in one point, point, as I said yesterday, if you break God's word in one point, you're guilty of all. Does it not say that? And does not it say to be thankful many times? Then we're not obeying what God says when we're not thankful. About three weeks ago, I called Bobby. I said, Bobby, I'm going to be teaching on something this morning. And I'd really like it if you'd come and give a testimony. He goes, well, you're not giving me much time to prepare. I said, if I'd given you more time than this, you'd probably turn me down anyway. So now it's a further moment. You've got to do it. He said, okay. I gave him the microphone, and he took the microphone, and he said, you know, I don't know why I'm going through all this, but I'm just going to keep coming to God and thanking him for all he's done for me. And he talked for about five minutes, and my heart was just melted gratitude next lesson i learned not only that we should be say our need for cleansing we should obey to be cleansed we should have a heart filled with gratitude and praise but it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done jesus can cleanse you isn't it amazing i said a while ago and this this hit one that was healed the one that came back fell down on his face at his feet giving thanks And he was a Samaritan. He wasn't even a Jew. He was what we'd call a half-breed. I know that's a rough term for it. Nobody liked him on this side. Nobody liked him on this side. He was an outcast. Neither liked by these folks and neither liked by these folks. He was half of each. He was a stranger. An outcast stranger is what he was. Doesn't matter who you are. I don't care where you've been in your life. I don't care what you've done. God said, I'll clean you up if you let me. Come, come to me and I'll clean you up. Just come to Jesus. Just come to Jesus and he'll clean you up. Just come to Jesus and he'll clean you up. What's your burden and sorrow you're carrying? Just come to Jesus. He's waiting. He's waiting. Casting all your cares on him for he careth for you. Let me say this and I'll be done tonight. The only one that can cleanse you is the Lord Jesus Christ. They had no hope. They were hopeless, doomed forever until Jesus walked in. He's the only one that can forgive your sin. He's the only one that can give you revival. He's the only one that can bring you back in fellowship. He's the only one that can restore the joy. He's the only one that can take those wicked sins and cover them over with his blood and restore you whole. If we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from all unrighteousness. Now, what do you got to do? You got to come to Jesus. But if you're not willing to admit you need him, that you have a problem, you have a need, if you're not willing to obey what he says to do, then you probably won't get clean. And you'll go ahead and go right back to the same life you got now, doing what you're doing now. And you may have a wonderful life, praise God. But I don't know about you, but I want the joy of Jesus in my heart. Now I, I want to have that joy in my heart. I want to have that peace. And I want to have that long-suffering. I want to have the fruit of the Spirit in my life, love, joy, peace, Uh, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. I want it all. And I can have it all. If I come to Jesus, come to Jesus for salvation, come to Jesus for cleansing, come to Jesus for encouragement, come to Jesus with all your cares. What do you need tonight? What is your need? And here's the answer I don't have the answer Brother Dave I look at Bobby I don't know But I know who does know Just Come To Jesus The leper That came back Would you come back Our heads are bowed And our eyes are closed (laughs) Maybe you need to come For salvation Maybe that's your need. It would be a sad thing if you could be here and die and go to hell when Jesus has the answer. When there's a ton of people in this room who could take the Bible and show you how to get saved immediately, you could get saved in no time flat.